Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Oh, it seems like forever since I preached last. I'm really glad to be here today. Between my summer schedule and yours, uh, Jay Durding came in this morning and said, I haven't heard you preach in two months. I'm going to say it's mostly your fault, Jay, not mine, okay? But I'm glad we get to be here together and and take a a look at God's Word together. I want to thank you all for praying for me. Uh, I want to thank Steve Thomas for preaching for me. It was really short notice last week. I, uh, this time last week, I'd have had to get better to die, you know what I mean? It was, uh, it was a pretty rough go, and for some reason, when I get uh, strep as I have, I think this was my 16th time, going for a record, um, I get lots of other things too, and so um, I would just ask you this morning, um, I'm in a place of need physically, I'm just sick as a dog right now feels like it's about 135 degrees in here, and like the holiest thing I could do is go lay down somewhere. But I want to preach this morning, and, um, and so I would just ask you, would you pray for me from time to time? And if I fall over up here, just let me sleep, okay? <laughs> it's probably the best thing, best thing for me. A couple of Sunday nights ago, Laura and I were in, toward the end of this odyssey we'd been, I don't know, looking forward to for 18 years and dreading for the last year of it, the business of taking our son to college halfway across the country. And, uh, and two weeks ago tonight, we, we sat on the, the lawn, the quad at Trevecca Nazarene University for an outdoor worship service. It was beautiful. The, the temperature was in the 90s, so was the humidity. What's not to love, right? Um, I wasn't sure who it was uh, that thought it was a good idea to plan an outdoor anything in that part of the country at this time of the year, but I wasn't in charge, so we rolled with it. But uh, the service began at twilight, which is really a magical time in the middle part of our country on summer nights because of one thing. And I a little cultural lesson for you. They're called lightning bugs, okay? They are not called fireflies. If you see fireflies written down or spoken by somebody, it's, uh, it's proof that they didn't grow up around them, okay? Say it with me, lightning bugs. And you have to, you got to drop the G. It's not lightning bugs, it's lightning. Lightning bugs. Say it with me. Lightning bugs. Okay, good. The, uh, the cultural education of First Naz continues. Lightning bugs. They come out right about twilight, and that's when the, the worship service began a couple of weeks ago. And so as we sat there on the quad, the, 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 the lighting rigs fired up, the smoke machine fired up, and just as it got about dark, the lightning bugs started making their way up out of the grass. And I got to tell you, nature's light show was better. It was just better. But as we sat there, stood there, sat there, uh, worshiping, singing with all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young adults, I noticed that uh, the, the fog machine was really doing its job, and this thick bank of fog was gathering at the, uh, on the quad. And so as the, the lighting rig did its job, you started seeing, you can see it a little bit on the screen, I think, some, some, some sabers of light that just shot through the night sky. And I wasn't the only one who noticed them. All the lightning bugs did too. And they started making their way into those beams of light and just congregating there. They were drawn toward the light and loved it. 
And for some reason, as I sat there that evening looking at these beautiful creatures all drawn toward the light, some other memory in my head fired and I was no longer standing on the quad at Trebekah. I was in the kitchen in a, uh, in a house in one of the roughest neighborhoods in South Kansas City called Hickman Mills. About 20, 25 years before, a friend of mine and his family lived there. And Laura and I more than once sat at their dining room table and rolled off into the floor taking cover as drive-by shootings were taking place right there at the the house right next door, really, really rough part of town. And so when my friend called and said that he was getting the chance to move his family out of there and to safety, I said, count on me, I'll be there. They were living in this horrible little dump, and, and we, we went in there on moving day, and as, as we pulled the refrigerator away from the wall, my skin started to crawl because I do not know how many roaches which had been enjoying the hiding place in the dark underneath the fridge, suddenly were exposed to the light, which they do not like or appreciate. And they frantically began scurrying up the wall and over the ceiling, and some thought that foot traffic wouldn't get them to the darkness fast enough, and so they started flying around in the house, and nobody there seemed to like it. Nasty roaches just swarming all over the house looking for more darkness, because that's what they love. Lightning bugs seek light. Roaches seek darkness. So a couple of weeks ago, I, I stood there surrounded by lightning bugs, and it was both sentimental to me because of my childhood and just plain old beautiful because it... It was this glorious display right in front of me. I loved it. 20 years ago, I stood surrounded by roaches, and I hope that I never, ever have to do that again. Matthew is the guy who wrote the, one of the versions of Jesus' life story. It's the one that opens the Bible's New Testament. And Matthew had grown up in a situation that he described as darkness, the kind of darkness that people think that they like, until they experience something altogether different. It was a thick spiritual darkness that had this sort of prophetic aftertaste to it in Matthew's mind. It was so pervasive and real that Matthew was pretty sure that what he grew up in, what he experienced as a child, a teen, and a young man, was what had been prophesied by Isaiah some 700 years before. Listen to how Matthew and Isaiah described it. Matthew will quote Isaiah in the process of uh, this passage. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, went back to the northern part of his country. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, quote, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
Matthew was from that area that he described and that Isaiah described, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the the area he said that, that existed in a palpable spiritual darkness. It wasn't a place that didn't have religion. It had lots of religion, plural, lots of religions. It's just that none of them had ever done anything to dispel any of the darkness. But when Matthew met Jesus, however, he experienced something that he kind of described like a a sunrise, like like darkness was just going to get peeled back or pushed back. He could now see where to step and what to do, how to live. A light had dawned. Next week, we're going to start a series of messages that will take us through John's version of the Jesus story. Uh, John saw Jesus quite differently than Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. And I, I want us to take a fresh look at the man who stands at the center of our faith, Jesus. You will see this one thing in common between John and Matthew, however. That word light shows up a lot as each of them describes Jesus and his ministry. And in the process of working our way through John's gospel, I hope that a series of lights comes on for each of us. That in the places in our lives where we currently harbor darkness, I hope each of us will find new light for living as Jesus' followers. Nothing could be better for our church family. The truth is, wherever we find ourselves spiritually today, we need this. We need the light of God to continue to flood our field of view, to flood our hearts, and quite frankly, to put a little uh, something-something on the path in front of us so we can figure out how to live in this world, right? Today is uh, something of a preview, a, a preface maybe of that series. So so I want to reach right into the heart of John's gospel and grab a hold of a truth that will sort of set the tone for all that we do together over the fall months. We'll read from chapter 3, beginning with verse 19, and I'm going to ask you please to stand with me and also to read the scriptures aloud with me. Lord, as we pause before your word, It's because we kind of want to clear the deck. Not not worry about the scores or the lunch or the school tomorrow. Those things crowd in on us. Lord, would you just kind of sweep them aside for a moment? We want the light to capture our attention. Believing that you give us light from your word, we humble ourselves before it now in Jesus' name. Read with me. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Is there one more? Nope, that's it. That's the end of it. Thanks. (laughs) Can I blame it on being sick? Did I tell you I was sick? In describing himself, Jesus used a word that I think hits really hard and heavy like a sledgehammer. The word is verdict. A few years ago, 
I sat in a federal courtroom for the announcement of a verdict in the criminal trial of a dear friend of mine. The judge asked the foreman of the jury if they had reached a verdict, and the foreman said they had, and at that point I began to hold my breath for what seemed like a very, very long time. After a few seconds, I could literally hear my own pulse, bang, 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 in my ears. What the foreman said next would be the difference between freedom and imprisonment. The course of a life literally would be decided in the next few moments. And as soon as the foreman would say his piece, the rest of us would know which way life was going to go from there for a while. Can you feel the weight of that a little bit? I did that day. John was hanging out with Jesus one night when a very religious person sneaked into the circle to ask Jesus some questions. The man came after dark because he didn't, <coughs> pardon me, want anyone to see him there. He just wanted to, to sneak in unnoticed and ask a few questions and then sneak back home and no one would have to be any the wiser. Darkness was his cover and his friend that night. And when Jesus agreed to talk with him, the man thought the whole thing was going to go according to his little plan. But it didn't. Jesus let him get into his questions a little bit and then just interrupted him and said, Look, Nick, I'm going to turn on the lights for you here. Sooner or later, you are going to have to make a decision. Light or darkness? Which is it going to be? Have you even thought, Nicodemus, about the irony of trying to keep everyone in the dark about how you're seeking the light? You're going to have to decide which of those two things that you are going to love and then seek it every day. It's light or dark, Nick. Which is it going to be? I paraphrased him, obviously. Uh, To quote him exactly, Jesus said, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. So it's light or darkness for you and me too. But get this, because it's very, very, very important. The decision for light or for darkness is not just a one-time decision. It starts with that. It starts with a really big decision to come out of the darkness that is the universal, broken human condition and to accept Jesus himself as the light that your soul needs. That's a really big decision. That same decision has another part to it. It's also a decision to trust Jesus as the source of light for how you will live thereafter. I'm absolutely certain that in a place like this, a church, with a a group this size, a couple hundred people, there's probably at least one person who today is trying to decide the big question. Which is it going to be, light or, or darkness? Listen, friend, if you are in the place today where you're trying to make the decision, We want you to know that we will respect your privacy, but you are not making this decision alone. A bunch of us are going to pray for you right now. Bow your heads with me. Lord, I remember the day that I could see the light finally. And I just, with everything in me, wanted to step into it. Well, maybe not with everything in me. Maybe you have a son or daughter here today who 
kind of wants to, but doesn't know for sure. Feels like a really big decision, and it is. So I pray. Holy Spirit of God, that you would protect this place today. Keep it sacred and safe so that people can see the light and make the choice. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to do your part in this thing. Turn on the lights for people who are looking for light today. I ask in your holy name, amen. Some of you, uh, on the other hand, lots of you, I know for sure, made that decision, the big decision to step into the light and to seek Jesus as the, the source of light for your ongoing living. You made that decision a long time ago, but you have to know this. It cannot be and is not just a one-time decision. Every single day of our lives, we are presented with numbers of decisions in which we have to get to pick light or darkness. We render verdicts every single day, lots and lots of them. Let me ask you a question. As you're making these decisions in your life that seem to have spiritual import or spiritual impact, do you often or sometimes feel like you lack spiritual strength to make those decisions? Do you sometimes just feel flat out weak, period? You'd say, if I had to describe myself as a strong Christian or a weak one, I'd say a weak one. How about when it comes to your prayers? Do you sometimes or often feel like you pray and pray, but it doesn't change things? You ask, God either doesn't answer or says no. Do you sometimes feel stressed and worried and and wonder, where's that joy that all those Christian songs and all those Christian scriptures advertise as belonging to the people of God? Those conditions, spiritual weakness, a lack of joy and strength and peace, they are the product of something in our lives. Many of us, let me retrace it for you, many of us made that first big decision a long time ago to say, yes, we accept Jesus as the light that my soul needs, but I also need to know where to put my feet and my hands as I make decisions and live from one day to the next. And Jesus, I'm going to seek you as light. Your teachings are going to provide light on the path in front of me. When we choose Jesus as Savior, but then receiving the light that we need for godly living, choose instead to disobey his teachings. When we choose darkness in the littler decisions, there's a very predictable outcome in our lives. Spiritual weakness and a lack of joy. When we choose Jesus once, but we don't keep on seeking the spiritual light of truth that comes from from a a tight-knit relationship with him, that comes only from prayer and the reading of scripture in close communion with God, we cannot expect to have strength and joy in our lives. When we choose Jesus as Savior, but then choose disobedience to his teachings, when we choose darkness in the smaller decisions, it will, it will very, very predictably and consistently rob us of strength and joy. When we choose Jesus once, but don't choose to keep seeking him, 
We choose the experience that we get. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, 22 through 23. Just as, as your physical eye allows light waves to your brain so that your brain can then tell you how to move and react and live, you also need to take in spiritual light so that your spirit within you can tell you how to move and respond to God and, and live for him in this dark world. Verdict. was Jesus' word. It means to make a decision. Jesus said God had made a verdict. He had decided that this world should not have to live and could not go any further in just blanket darkness. He decided to send Jesus into the world as the light of truth, a light that would attract some and, quite frankly, repel some others. I don't get it. But some are drawn to the light. Some run from it. Both choose, however. Question for you today. Have you chosen Jesus as Savior and as light for living? If you've already done so, let me ask you another question. Where's your peace meter sitting today? Where's, where's the joy meter and strength meter sitting in your life today? If it's low or on empty, maybe Maybe it's because of the little verdicts of day-to-day living. You've been choosing darkness instead of light. 20 years ago, I watched as scores of roaches scrambled for the darkness. No one in the room thought it was great. Everybody thought it was pretty hideous, actually. Some people live like that. But no one has to. A couple of weeks ago, I saw little creatures that that emit light on their own, seeking it as well. Hmm, Lightning bugs might be a pretty good metaphor for the followers of Jesus. This much is true. Light has come into the world. Jesus is that light. Will you seek him and keep on seeking him or flee from him today? You get to choose. I mentioned that 20 years ago, I stood there surrounded by roaches. Fifteen years ago, I was sitting in my office. I was having a a time of prayer with a dear friend of mine. My phone rang, and a man in my church said, get home now. So he said, I'm not going to tell you why. Just get home now. Turn on the television. Well, I lived right across the parking lot, so I was there in about 15 seconds. And I couldn't believe any easier than any of you could what my eyes were seeing. As this horrendous cloud of dark, black smoke began to form over Manhattan. And while I sat there trying to make sense of it, to, to come to terms with what it probably meant, Another airplane came into view and buried itself in that building. And you watched like I did. While a lot of people's worlds crumbled and came down on top of them. And our nation suffered a grievous wound. I was a pastor. A very young pastor at the time. 
And I thought, I can't just preach another sermon come Sunday. Because I had this sense that that people were were looking to me to help them come to understand if, if, if God had a perspective on this, what could it possibly be? And over the course of just the next couple of months, other people who do what I do for a living will tell you that the, their, their seats in their church started to fill up and people began to be drawn toward the light and the hope that is held forth in the gospel of Jesus. Where have they gone? They made a, one big decision to, to seek light and have made lots of others since to just go back to the darkness. And I will tell you that it is my opinion that we sit in this deeply divided, hate-filled condition that our nation is in today because we have walked away from light. Where's the peace, America? Do you feel it? Because I don't. Where's the joy in this land? Because I can't find it. I know where it's found. Because peace and joy are the consistent bread of the people who seek light every day of their lives. Hey, listen, church, however dark the world is around us, do you understand the opportunity that we have? If we will become the people who make the light of God our daily, our, 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 our daily business, the, the, the quest of our lives, do you understand how peace and joy can so come to well up in us that we, have a, that we give the, the world around us a reason to hope and to maybe look a little deeper into what this faith of ours really is? But if we don't seek the light daily, we'll suffer the very same things that our neighbors do who make no claims about being light seekers. Friends, followers of Jesus, you have an opportunity before you today to say from this point forward, with the help of God, I will continue in the little things in my life to seek the light of Christ. In so doing, you'll gain another opportunity, and that is to be the reason for hope for the people around you. Opportunity, opportunity, the opportunities abound. Followers of Jesus, you have something beyond an opportunity. You have a holy obligation that comes with the forgiveness that Jesus has poured out for us in shedding his blood. We have also a holy obligation to be a people who seek him and the light that he offers us in his word, in his teachings, on a daily basis. Some of you are driven by duty. Some of you are bargain shoppers. You're going to jump on an opportunity, whatever the motivation is today. Let me just tell you that there... There's light that's come into this world. We're going to learn a little bit more about that light next week, what John meant by that. You don't have to learn more before you decide. 
You can decide today. Friend, if you came in this door today saying, I'm checking out this whole religion, God, Jesus, church thing, don't know what to make of all of that, but I certainly want the peace and the joy that Cliff's been talking about today, you can have it. You can get the down payment, the big front-end down payment on this thing in your life right now today by saying, Jesus, I don't understand you fully, but I know this much. I want a relationship with the God who made me. I'm reaching out to you. With the light that I have, however dim or little it may be, whatever that, however much that is, I'm stepping into it and I'm seeking it. You will get the down payment of God's peace and joy in your life today. If, however, you want payment in full, you want peace and joy to become the things that really characterize your life, it will take many, many, many more decisions to seek the one who was sent into the world as light and life. And I want to welcome you to make that decision today. Why don't you stand with me and bow your heads, close your eyes. This whole business of uh, closing our eyes is simply to afford the people next to us the, the privacy that they need. and Maybe it's to keep us from getting distracted. But let me first ask the question of, the, the big question. If you walked in this place today and said, well, I'm, I've been checking this whole thing out for a long time or maybe just for the first time today, but I heard enough to know that I want what that guy's talking about. I'm going to look to Jesus for the spiritual light that I need, and I'm going to ask him to help me figure out how to live in this world. If you're making that decision today, would you just slip your hand right up in the air and right back down? I just want to know how to, good. Just want to know how to pray for you. Good. Yeah. Anyone else? Lord, I praise you that you're still doing for us today what you did in the days of the scriptures that we read. You're giving light to people and they're reaching for it like Nicodemus reached that day. For those who are reaching toward you, I thank you, Lord, that they're going to find you reaching toward them. Now, Lord, what about the rest of us? What about those of us who who made the big ask a long time ago? But we've been not so consistent about seeking light since. Would you shine some light on the path for us today? And we'll make a down payment. We'll make a down payment on obedience. We'll commit ourselves to walking in the light as you shed it on the path in front of us. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed if you would. And if um, today you say, you know, Cliff, you've been talking to me today. I've been lacking the peace. I've been lacking the joy. I've been lacking the strength. And I think it is because I've, I've been choosing the darkness and the little things instead of choosing obedience. And I want you to pray for me because I'm... I'm pledging to God. I'm, I'm going to step in the light this time as he shines it on the path in front of me. If you want me to pray for you that way, would you just slip your hand up? Yep, yeah, I see you back there. Yep, yep, yep. Over there, yep. Sure. Lord, you can, 
see far better than I can what happens <coughs> in human hearts. The truth is, I see some areas in my life where I've been just fine with it being dark there. Today, I want to be see-through. I want to be transparent so that your light just can come and flood those areas in my life. And some of my brothers and sisters raised their hands and said, they're seeking the same thing. Hear our prayers. Lord, I want to ask you to, to do double diligence in delivering the strength and the joy and the peace that my brothers and sisters seek as they're taking these first renewed steps toward obedience to you. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them there with the gifts that I've talked about. Do the same for me, I pray. In your holy name, amen. Before we leave today, I'm going to put some more scripture on the screen. And um, I'd just like for you to read it aloud with me. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Friends, you do not have to live in darkness. Seek the light and walk in it. May you know God's peace, strength, joy, and presence as you do. Amen. We'll see you next week.